the Terry and Jesse Show, Holy Hour of Power. This is High Energy Catholic Radio. Two Catholics with PhDs in common sense. And this is a program where we engage the culture of death with prayer, truth, fasting, and full contact Catholicism. Terry, I'm reporting for duty. What about you? I'm on duty, sir. Jess, I can't believe that we have this opportunity to share the Catholic faith every single day and help people fall in love with Jesus. It's a I pinch myself and I say, man, this is just too good. Jess, today's topics, man, uh, this is unbelievable. I live in a state of California, as everybody knows. It's crazy here. California is moving forward with a bill to become a sanctuary state for kids to undergo transgender treatment, not only for abortion, all the bad things California is known for. Hmm. So we're going to talk about that. But my favorite topic is we're going to be talking about uh, hey, how to re- re- revive any Catholic parish? So many parishes have lost their zeal. What does it take to be- get the people back up and proclaiming the gospel? Well, we're going to talk about that. Also, later, a judge ruling the University of Idaho can't prevent students from sharing the Christian teachings on homosexuality. Uh, that's a good news story. And there's more to come here on the Terry and Jesse show. But before we do that, talk about good news, Jess. <laughs> It's the gospel, brother. Some soul right. food. Every single day, the Catholic Church proclaims the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Which is really, at the end of the day, that's the only good news that we have. That's right. Because uh, we won't be here that long. Life, life is short. Yep. Today is Thursday, Matthew chapter 10, verses 7 to 15. Jesus said to his disciples, As you go, make this proclamation. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Remember what I said yesterday. Whenever time, anytime Jesus Christ says the kingdom of heaven is at hand, the catechism says that wherever Jesus is, there is the kingdom of heaven. That's why he's saying these words. He's saying, I'm here. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Son of God. I'm God incarnate. I've come here to live a perfect, sinless life, to die for your sins and save the world. That's what it means the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus is here. He says, cure the sick, raise the dead, cleanse the lepers, drive out demons. These are gifts given to the apostles. Without cost you have received, without cost you are to give. Do not take gold or silver or copper or your belts. No sack for the journey or a second tunic or sandals or a walking stick. The labor deserves his keep. That's why, again, priests get paid, bishops get paid. They're not rich, but... But uh, they, they, you know, they deserve a, little, a small little stipend, as the Bible says there. Whatever town or village you enter, look for a worthy person in it and stay there until you leave. As you enter a house, wish it peace. If the house is worthy, let your peace come upon it. If not, let your peace return to you. Whoever will not receive you or listen to your words, go outside the house or town and shake the dust from your feet. That sentence talks about people that just completely refuse to hear the message of Jesus. Uh, there comes a point in time where you've got to move on to somebody else, and yep. you've got to quit tugging on green fruit. Just not, they're not ready. Yep. Then it says, Amen, I say to you, it will, be, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah on the day of judgment than for that town, the gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. Yep. Terry, uh, Ma- Matthew's gospel, once again, mm-hmm. it was written for the, it was written for the Jewish, Jewish audience, yep. but uh, because like we saw yesterday, Jesus Christ came to save the 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 the, the lost uh, the family of the lost tribes of Israel, but the Gentiles have been grafted in as well. So now the Catholic Church 
It's not a Jewish church. It's not a Gentile church. It's comprised of both. Amen. Well said. Yes, let's bring the smartest guy into the room. sheen ahead. You know, Jess, this quote I got today really says it all about the problems in our church. Bishop Sheen says, A religion that doesn't interfere with the secular order will soon discover that the secular order will not refrain from interfering with it. Jess, I got to jump in on that. That that just hit me this morning. I said, hey, wait a minute. You know, we're using excuses in the church. Hey, we don't want to politicize the Eucharist. We don't want to, you know, uh, the, we come out with a, pro, uh, a good pro-life decision to undermine Roe versus Wade. Well, I don't, I don't want to comment on that too much because, you know, uh, I haven't really studied it. This is what some of the highest officials in the church are saying. And I, I think that's scandalous. I think that Fulton Sheen nailed it. He said, the religion that doesn't interfere with secular order will soon discover that the secular order will not refrain from interfering with it. I like the line that says, who's influencing who? The world, the secular world, or the Catholic faith? And I think that our leaders need to heed what Fulton Sheen said, because what's happening right now is there are, our views are getting blended with secular views when there's no difference between a believing Catholic and a secular humanist, and that's a problem. That's a huge problem, Terry. By the way, just want to remind people that uh, we're in the month of July. The oh, month of July is uh, we honor the precious blood of Jesus this month. And uh, again, it's not a coincidence that it falls between the devotion of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, which was June. And next month, it's devoted to the Immaculate Heart of Mary. Yeah. Hey. So it's encapsulated, the blood of Jesus. That devotion is encapsulated between the two hearts, the hearts of Jesus awesome. and the hearts of Mary. I think that's something very beautiful. Very beautiful. And, yeah. and Jesse, think about it. The, the Feast of the Sacred Heart is when the Supreme Court decision was made to undermine the Roe versus Wade and kick it out and to defend life with the states deciding on who's going to be born and who's not. But Jesse, By the way, yeah. Oh, go ahead. Let me just mention, Terry, that if you like what you hear on this show, you can support this show by sharing the full show link at vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media at yep. VMP, VMP Radio and our YouTube channel called Full Sheen Ahead. Yep, that's so true. if you want to share these shows with Thanks, people, Jeff. share them with your friends and evangelize everybody that you love. Jesse, I want to make a, a good news story about this judge who yeah, I ruled well. in favor of three Christian students, okay? Three knuckleheads in college say, wait a minute, we're going to speak about a biblical worldview on homosexuality. Well, after the University of Idaho sought to silence them for their support of a biblical marriage, now the judge says, no, those young people have a right to speak their views. Jesse, it just seems like more and more people are standing up and saying, no, 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 I'm not going to be silenced for speaking up on the gospel. We need more Christian young people, everybody, to speak up. And let me just throw something at you, Jess. In the world that we're living in, think about that shooter that was in Illinois that did the tragic July 4th shooting. Lots of information on him. But here's the thing that bothers me. Bill Bennett put out something, and he he was Mm -hmm. hit hard. You know what I'm going to say, Jesse. Yeah, say it. Basically, Bill Bennett said, look, the violent videos that kids are watching, they put all kinds of violent stuff on social media. Nothing is done to those kids. Now, when a bishop of the Catholic Church goes on social media and says, hey, thou shalt not commit adultery, "Ah, no, no, that offends the people. Take that down. You think that we, there's the problem where well, the problem is we're allowing so much violence in our culture and then we're also 
undermining the family. So Bill Bennett said all that, and he was condemned for it. I just want to say thank you, Bill. Uh, he just made a common sense statement. That's exactly the problem. These, by the time these kids are turn eighteen, they've watched I forgot how many hundreds of yeah. of uh, hours of violence on uh, on their yeah. iPhone, on yeah. a laptop, or on television. Yeah. Here's a couple of other items that are worth Good mentioning. Good. Yeah. yeah, abortion activists are spreading misinformation about oh, yeah. ectopic pregnancies, miscarriages, and more. Yep. One of the most prominent claims is that is that. Newly implemented abortion bans in various states will hamper life-saving treatments for ectopic pregnancy and miscarriages, but this is false. This is not true. Nobody's going to be denied the necessary care for either condition under any state abortion ban. Here's another point, uh, another news item. Liberal World Order, the White House Director of the National Economic Council, Brian Deese, said in an interview with CNN that American families suffering from high gas prices need to understand it is for the future of the liberal world order. <laughs> That's exactly, That's exactly what he said. It came out, didn't it? Yep. It is for the future of the liberal world order. The remarks came after President Biden told reporters at a NATO summit that Americans could expect to suffer for as long as it takes to beat Russia in Ukraine. Unbelievable. Another news item, vas- vasectomies have skyrocketed. Urologists have experienced an uptick in requests for vasectomy procedures across the country following the Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. According to the New York Post, uh, staff at medical offices told the New York Post that they have been stunned by the number of childless younger men asking about sterilizing procedure. Again, that, that just shows you the culture that we live in right now. It's so secular and so godless. Last point I want to make is in a letter to Governor Larry Hogan, Supreme Court Marshal Gail Curley wrote, You recently stated that you were deeply concerned that hundreds of demonstrators have recently chosen to picket Supreme Court justices at their homes in Maryland. I would respectfully request that you direct the Maryland State Police Department to enforce Maryland and Montgomery County laws that squarely prohibit picketing at the homes of the Supreme Court justices who reside in Maryland. So good for Governor Larry Hogan. God bless him. Uh, yeah, and it's, uh, it's good that he's, uh, again, uh, or it's good that uh, he's uh, putting out some, some common sense statements of here course. about def- defending our Supreme Court justices. And Jesse, this is the crazy thing that we have in our this administration. Depending on your, your perspective on this, uh, political perspective, uh, the law is not enforced. If you are conservative, oh, they go after you for everything. But if you're liberal, let's be honest. They let the liberals do anything. That's our problem. Yep. Hey, Jess, we got, an, yep. uh, we got the new, next sta- statement coming up. We're going to be talking about California moves forward with a bill to become a sanctuary state, not just for abortion, but for all bad things, for kids to undergo transgender treatment. I want to encourage everybody to watch the Matt Walsh movie, What's a Woman? That's important. We'll come back with more on the Terry and Jesse Show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us, family. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. A lot of Catholics hear the word social justice. And they don't know what it means. They think it means, you know, I guess uh, marches and 
Antifa and Black Lives Matter and Occupy Wall Street and Jane's Revenge and Ruth Sent Us. Social justice is mentioned in the catechism. It's only five paragraphs. One, two, three, four, five, six. Six paragraphs in the catechism. I think most Catholics have never read the catechism on what is social justice. So let's just share it for this segment. It's important to see what the church says. Paragraph 1928 to 1933. That's where we find it. Social justice, society, paragraph 1928. Society ensures social justice when it provides the conditions that allow associations or individuals to obtain what is their due. Notice, obtain what is their due according to their nature, according to their vocation. Social justice is linked to the common good and the exercise of authority. Amen. Paragraph 1929. Social justice can be obtained only in respecting the transcendent dignity of man. Big That's amen the key that. right there. Exactly. Without, without that understanding, you'll never, there'll never be social justice. Nope. And that's why we don't have social justice for babies with half of the country because they don't understand the dignity of the human person and the baby. It says the person represents the ultimate end of society, which is ordered to him. The catechism says what is at stake is the dignity of the human person whose defense and promotion have been entrusted to us by the creator and to whom the men and women at every every moment of history are strictly and responsibly in debt. I'll just send two points in this country where we missed social justice, which which means the dignity of the human. So next time you hear social justice, immediately say dignity of the human person, because that's the definition in the catechism. Yep, open your catechism. Yes. And so there's two times that we've missed it as a country uh, on social justice. That was the Dred Scott decision when we said that blacks were not fully human. And the 1973 Roe versus Wade, when we said uh, whatever's inside uh, this 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 uh, preformed human, this preformed what they call, we don't know what they said. We don't know what's inside a woman's body, but it's not a human being. So we've missed it two times. Yep. Uh, uh, when it comes, because social justice begins in the womb. Now, paragraph 1930. Yep. Respect for the human person entails respect for the rights that flow from his dignity as a creature. See, notice, every single time you see the church talking about social justice, it's always talking about the dignity of the person. Amen. These rights are prior to society and must must be recognized by society. They are the basis of the moral legitimacy of every authority by flouting them or refusing to recognize them in its positive legislation. A society undermines its own moral legitimacy. If it does not respect them, authority can rely only on force or violence to obtain obedience from its subjects. By the way, that's what communists do. That's what Nazis do. That's what Islamists do. Uh, because they don't, they don't, they don't have a concept. This concept of the dignity of the human person, so they force people through violence to obey them. The Catechism says it is the church's role to remind men of goodwill of these rights and to distinguish them from the unwarranted or false claims. So what the Catechism just says there in those three paragraphs is our dignity comes from the fact that we're made in the image and likeness of God. And you don't have to be baptized to be made in the image and likeness of God. The human person 
is made in the image and likeness of God, even if he's not baptized, because he has an intellect and a will. That's how we resemble God. So that's everybody. Jess, just let me just jump in. What you're doing right here is so incredibly important that people go right back to the catechism to get their information because, you know, this is what Bishop Strickland and I do every Tuesday on Virgin Most Powerful. We open the catechism and teach. And, you know, just those two paragraphs that you read are just gold. Now, here's paragraph 1931. Yeah. Respect for the human person proceeds by the way of respect for the principle that here comes that everyone should look upon his neighbor without exception as another self, above Mm. all bearing in mind his life and by the means necessary for living it with dignity. No legislator or legislation could by itself do away with fears, prejudice, and attitudes of pride, selfishness, which obstruct and establish of a truly fraternal society. Such behavior will cease only through the charity that finds in every man a neighbor, a brother. See, just I see that as the Roe versus Wade is an unjust law. In other words, you can't, I'm not going to abide by an unjust law. Killing, so that's why I got arrested at abortion clinics. I said, no, this is wrong because killing innocent life is never, ever legal or yeah, moral. That paragraph that you just read, that's that's basically living by the golden rule yeah, taught to us by our Lord exactly. Jesus Christ, where you got to see your neighbor, you love your neighbor as yourself. If we can do that, that is social justice. Again, that's why the Dred Scott decision yep. and the Roe versus Wade decision were wrong, that's right. fundamentally, intrinsically evil, because they looked at human beings as less than human beings if you were black or you're a baby. Yep. Here's the next paragraph. The duty of making oneself a neighbor to others and actively serving them becomes even more urgent when it be, when it involves the disadvantaged in whatever area this may be. As you did it to the to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that last sentence, these are the words of our Lord Jesus right from Christ. The gospel. But here's another example of, of, uh, of, of social justice not being applied properly no. to to people at the end of their life euthanasia right people again it's talking about there people who are disadvantaged people again uh that are just in a hospice in a rest home and people are saying you know what i want to get rid of mom and dad and stuff i just want you know it's time to cash in on their uh and some of their assets and stuff you know all they do is drool all day again that that's a lack of social justice because you're not looking because god determines when the heart's going to stop not any one of us Paragraph 1933. This is the last paragraph on social justice here in the Catechism. It's short. So it's only, let me see, one, two, three, four, five, six. Mm-hmm. And I don't see anything there, Terry, about, uh, you know, riots and and uh, picketing and, and uh, you know. Uh, hey, hey, Jesse, let me jump in. One of our listeners just said this. I took in a, a social justice class at the Catholic University, Okay. Mm-hmm. And uh, what do they say? So it's it's social e- uh, inequality. That's what they talk about in class rather than the catechism. Well, I, I, that doesn't surprise me, Jess, because they bought in what Fulton Sheen said earlier in the show. They've been influenced by the world rather than by the church. Yeah, here's the problem with the social justice uh, people today, the, the no. secularists, even the ones in the school in the schools in Catholic yeah. schools. Yeah, what they for them social justice means yeah. is that. 
is is uh, is that not only do we all have equal opportunities, which is a good thing, but we all ha- we also have equal results. That's not true. That's not true. Social justice it does mean that we all have equal opportunities, mm-hmm. but it does not mean that we will have equal results. For example, uh, obviously uh, the guy from Tesla, uh, Elon Musk. Elon Musk. He this guy has such an analytical mind to make some of the things that he's made that have made him a billionaire. Yep. So Elon Musk, all of us had an equal opportunity. We were all, all born from mom and dad. We all were raised in a family, but the results aren't equal. Nope. God gave this guy a, a superior intellect when it comes to engineering and he's done financially well. So again, social justice what it means, yes, we all have equal opportunities. I get that, but it doesn't mean we have equal results. That's where the left gets it wrong, Terry. Yeah, well said, Jesse, and that needs to be said over and over again. Again, take the Catechism of the Catholic Church on a regular basis, folks. Your Let me just share that one last paragraph. We got one it. more. Hit it. 1933. Yep. It says, and this is the, the last paragraph on social justice right. in the Catechism, Article 3. It says, this same duty extends to those who think or act differently from us. The teaching of Christ goes so far as to require the forgiveness of offenses. He extends the commandment of love, which is that of the new law, to all enemies. Liberation in the spirit of the gospel is incompatible with hatred of one's enemy as a person, but not with hatred of the evil that he does as an enemy. This last section on social justice in the Catechism this is what separates Christianity from Islam and Judaism. This is what this is what scandalized people 2000 years ago is that Jesus Christ coming from the Middle East, again, the the, the religions of the Middle East are very legalistic. An eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth. You hit me, I hit you back twice. This is uh Islam, this is Judaism. Uh and so Jesus Christ broke rank with that type of legalistic mindset. And uh, and he taught people to forgive your enemies. This was a complete novel teaching, but this is part of social justice, and he demonstrated that on Calvary. And Jesse, that was why the growth of the church the first couple hundred years of Christianity, the pagans could not believe what the Christians would do. Yeah. And eventually that's what converted secular uh, society. So we need to go and have like what we call a first century Christianity being proclaimed again. Yeah, you're right. The last, there's one more paragraph on the, it's called the in brief section mm-hmm. of the catechism. Paragraph 1943. It's the last section of yeah. the, uh, paragraph number seven uh, on, uh, on social justice. It says this, society ensures social justice by providing the conditions that allow associations and individuals to obtain their due. I would say, Terry, in America... Uh, we've pretty much leveled the playing field in my lifetime. Yeah, of course. You can pretty much go to any school you want. You can join any association you want. You can go to any trade school you want. You could become whatever you want. You can go to any branch of service. And so I think, uh, I, I think again, 100 years ago, Dred Scott, no, no. Even 50 years ago, Roe versus Wade. But I think uh, it, it, you and I have been living in a country yeah. that more than any other country has ensured us social justice by providing the conditions that allow 
all of us to do whatever we want based on our talents and our capability. And Jesse, those conditions, the church teaches subsidiarity, that these things should be done on a local level. We have a, a line by some secular people who will say the bigger the government, the smaller the citizen. I agree with that. We need to have all of our issues dealt with on a local level. And so all these associations will be done locally. And this is important to practice social Catholic teachings. And so the catechism is a good resource for that. And again, you're not going to hear this, unfortunately, like you just said, Jesse, in some of the universities and Catholic schools, even the kids. My kids told me unbelievable stories that their teachers were telling them um, that, uh, that it were not Catholic social teachings. They were political uh, statements from a very liberal position. Now, that's not what you're going to hear here on the Terry and Jesse show. When we come back, I'll get it right yet. Jess, thanks for correcting me. When we come back, we'll have the California moves forward with the bill to become a sanctuary state for kids to undergo what? Transgender treatment? No. Abortion. California is really Sodom and Gomorrah, and we'll tell you why and how to avoid that here on the Terry and Jesse show on Virgin Most Powerful Radio. Stay with us. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. California moves forward with a bill to become sanctuary state for kids to undergo transgender treatment. I can't believe I can't believe what I just read. I know. It's it's shocking, the, but it's true. There's a committee in the California legislature. They passed a piece of legislation Tuesday that would that would make the state a safe haven for children who want to go through the transgender procedures. The measure passed the committee after hearing the children after hearing from children who formerly underwent transgender procedures, as well as parents who want legislators to rethink creating this type of law in the state. It is expected to pass the state legislature, as Democrats have a supermajority in the state house according to the Washington Examiner. Oh. The bill's author is San Francisco Senator Scott Weiner. Yeah, he's known who, for this. Yeah, who tweeted in March, quote, The history of the LGBTQ community is a history of criminalization. Society tries to erase us and then punishing us if we refuse to be erased, whether by death, incarceration, beatings, lobotomies, electric shock, etc., this is all a lie, by the way. This whole tweet's a lie. Mm -hmm. He writes, California won't be a party to this new phase of LGBTQ criminalization. Close quote. Mm -hmm. Terry, I'm 60 years old, yep. and I've never seen in any society in the U.S. where we've incarcerated homosexuals, beat them, lobotomized them, and electric shock them. Uh, th this this, he just rhetoric. made this. Yeah, yeah he just made this out of whole cloth. Of course, he's he's trying to make his point. He has been a big promoter for the homosexual. I'm I'm, still, I'm not gonna call it LGBTQ. Sorry, the homosexual community. Yeah. They're just trying to ramrod this through, and it's unfortunate. But you know what, Jess? Um, the legislation provides an avenue for insurance companies, physicians, contractors. To ignore, this is really semi-subpoenas regarding child custody and other court measures from outside the state if the child is being medically treated for transgenderism. It also prevents health care providers, contractors from giving out medical information if it being requested 
from another state to the state's policy, allowing civil action to be taken. Jesse, this bill states that California court has a temporary emergency jurisdiction for several reasons, including abuse, abandonment, protection of the child, as well as because the child has been unable to obtain gender-affirming care or gender-affirming mental health. Now, just later in this article, I watched the video of that little boy, a little girl talking about her, her situation. This is such a disaster that this hopefully will never get through. But, uh, you know, a law in another state that authorizes a state agency to remove a child from their parent or guardian based on parent or, or guardian allowing their child to receive gender-affirming health care is against public policy of the state of California. And the bill will read and shall not be enforced or applied in a case pending in the court in the, case, in, the in the state of California. Well, wow. Here we see- here we see the battle, Terry, in this wow, country. Wow, it is the, a battle. Yeah, between the red states and blue states. It's, it really the, is. the battle line is drawn. And, and what's happening here is that the California legislators, yeah. they want to they act as if they own your minor children. Yes. In other words, this law, what it does, it takes away the rights of the parents in California from making health care decisions over their minor children. The state will make the decision. That's right. This is tyranny, Terry. Of course it is. That's California, and that's why we need to vote these guys out. And some people say, well, you know, here's what's happening, Jesse. For every person who moves into California, three people are leaving. Okay? Mm. And, and that's going to—and that, for me, I'm staying. I'm going to fight this because I've been here all my life mainly— uh, and uh, I have my work here. But the point I'm trying to say to people is if you have a family, I don't blame you for getting out of California. If you can't beat this, then go to Arizona. Go to another state that's more friendly to family values. Yeah, it's you're sick. absolutely right. Sick. Jesse, this measure also instructs yeah. law enforcement. Jess, can you imagine being a law enforcement man for 20 years and law enforcement agencies do not make and intentionally participate in an arrest of an individual pursuit to an out-of-state arrest warrant for violations of another state law against providing, receiving, or allowing a child to receive gender-affirming health care. Some Republicans, and I'm one of them, okay, I'll just be honest with you, I think this is unconstitutional and attempts to go around other states' laws. That's my position. Yeah, and what's happened here, Terry, every time the Democrats are in power, notice what they do to law enforcement. They They weaponize law enforcement against the citizens. They weaponize law enforcement. There's a blogger yeah. by the name of Emmeline. Yep. Emmeline. She writes about dysphoria yeah. and has personal experience of a oh, child suffering important. from gender confusion. Yeah. She testified by phone at a hearing. Here's what she said. Quote, these are not my elected officials. They are taking away my rights in another state to protect my child and keep her body safe until she fully matures. This impacts my rights as a parent in New York should my child find her way to California through a friend, school trip, or family member. Now she has access to receive gender-affirming care without my consent, close quote. Then you have Chloe Cole. I saw this. She's a 17-year-old girl. Yep. She went through early transition treatment to become a male. But it's now a, a but she's now a detransitioner, and she's against such practices. By the way, there's a there's a huge movement of people of that are detransitioning, 
but they don't get any airtime, no, Terry, because not that's they're, they're, correct. Exactly. But there's a huge movement of detransitioners. So Chloe Cole, she spoke before the assembly, and here's what she said, quote, At age 15, I asked to remove my breast. I attended a top surgery class that was filled with, with around 12 girls that, that thought they were men. Most were my age or younger. None of us were going to be men. We were fleeing from the uncomfortable feeling of becoming women. Close quote. Uh, Chloe Cole says, in addition, she says, I was unknowingly, physically, cutting off my true self from my body, irreversibly and painfully. I really didn't understand all the ramifications of any medical decisions I was making. Chloe Cole, the 17-year-old, said she is unaware if she'll ever be able to carry a baby to full term, adding that the doctors who gave her hormone treatments also do not know. Uh, and, and here's her final testimony. She stated, children cannot consent. Terry, this, this entire, this entire uh, you know, transgender treatment yeah. for minors behind mom and dad's back being ramrodded by the state, this is child abuse. This is government child abuse. And this is why, Terry, come November and come uh, 2024, yeah. we must throw, Terry, we must throw the Democrats out of every single office. They've turned this country upside down. Yep, I agree. And, Jesse, this is on the video, so if anybody wants to watch it, they can just type that name in on YouTube and watch the statements being made. Cole also told the Daily Wire that SB 107 is threatening children at their most vulnerable ages. Well said. They are subject to a variety of hardships that most people experience while going through puberty and attending public schools in the 21st century. Further complicated by the forces of social media, adding, Scott Weiner is effectively delegitimizing the role of parents, that's what we just said, and the nuclear family, while creating loopholes for protective legislation in other states. Many children are on the path to making the same mistake I made. And this SB 107 will allow thousands more to suffer. I think that's very bold. She's a brave young girl. Yes, to say all that, God bless her. This is a 17-year-old girl, Terry. Yeah, she said it. That, uh, again, she she's already lost her breasts. Yep. And, and who knows what else has happened to her body but she has the courage at such a young age, the courage of her convic- convictions to, to tell the truth to a rogue government. Yeah. Because what we see right now, California is a rogue, tyrannical government. And uh, it's, it's pretty obvious that when you look at the legislation coming off from Newsom and people like Justin Trudeau and people that are just hardcore leftists, you know, Joe yep. Biden. Sure. You'll find, Terry, that their legislation they hate the traditional nuclear family. Exactly. They hate patriots. They hate conservatives. And I would say most especially at the top of the food chain, they hate the Catholic faith. And if you don't believe me, which is the only church right now in America that for the last three months has been attacked by, uh, by Ruth Sentis, the Ruth Sentis gang, and by Jane's Revenge, 
which is the church, which is the religion that's being attacked, buildings and people? It's only the Catholic Church. And that's why we have to respond to these evils that are going on. Remember what Sheen said earlier in the show, a religion that doesn't interfere with the secular order will soon discover that the secular order will not refrain from interfering with it, with the church. And that's what's happening. That's why I say, stand up, Christians. This is a battle cry to stand up for the truth. And I would encourage, you know what I'm going to encourage two people to do? Get involved in the process. If you want to be a legislator or you want to be, you know, school, some kind of school board members, we have to start. That's how the modernists, that's how liberalism affected it. They got inside the political process. So we Christians have to do the same and take that back from them. That's what we need to do. And Jesse, my favorite topic you got for the last segment, how to revive any Catholic parish. What? Yes, we have, as Bishop Sheen says, we've lost our fire. We, you know, we've, we've lost it here in the church because we've become too quiet. And uh, I believe that this, our next article we're going to talk about on reviving a Catholic parish is critical to reviving America. How about you, Jess? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I can't wait to get, I, I can't wait to, get to that. I just want to mention another news item that just Tell came us. out. Tell us. Is uh, President Biden's Department of Justice is suing Arizona because Arizona yes. is requiring oh, proof bless. of U.S. citizenship to vote. Biden says uh, we can't do that in Arizona, so he's suing the Attorney General. God bless Arizona. Remember, I was born in Arizona, so That's right. I got my roots back there. Hey, right. stay with us. How to Revive Any Catholic Parish, up next on the Terry and Jesse Show. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. How to revive any Catholic parish. I think everybody everybody's concerned about that. Sign me up. Yeah. Some Catholic parishes are vibrant, but you know yeah. the reason they're vibrant is because they're 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 doing exactly what this article says. Exactly. I want to give credit to Shane Shazel. He's an evangelical convert to the Catholic Church. He came into the church through Anglicanism. I love it. And uh, he was trained as a catechist uh, uh, at the University of Dayton, a Catholic Marianist institution. I know the one. And, sure. and, he's, uh, and he wrote an incredible article. I think that's going to be helpful to so many people. So the following article is really addressed to any Catholic priest. You definitely want to get this link and send it to your cat, your pastor. Mm-hmm. Uh, send it, uh, you know, it's because it, priests need to read this because they're the ones, they're the top of the food chain when it comes to the parish. That's right. So Shane says, I've always believed that priests already have at their disposal everything they need to bring about renewal and revival at any Catholic, at any Catholic parish anywhere in the world. The problem is, that many priests have been so conditioned by the current state of affairs in the church and hamstrung by many of their bishops that renewal has been difficult and and in some cases impossible. Mm -hmm. If it is possible in your diocese, however, I do strongly recommend it, no matter how difficult it may be. The Novus Ordo Missal, the 1970 Missal, has everything a priest needs in this regard. It is not only a perfectly valid Mass, but it has the potential to be extremely beautiful and efficacious. And I'm sure Terry, but we've, we've yep. seen beautiful Novus Ordo oh, Mass. Yeah. Yep. Upon close examination of the general instruction of the Roman Missal, 
the priest will discover that the most natural position for celebrating Mass, particularly the liturgy of the Eucharist, is ad orientem. And the most natural way to say Mass is chanted. Yes, just to back up, ad orientum means facing uh, God rather than the people yes. east. And this is something that Vatican II and the documents assumed that you would do, and that's not been implemented. But let's continue, because this guy's got some great points. Yeah, he does. And by the way, uh, where he's talking about the Mass should be chanted, Yes, chant comes from the Jews. This that's is right. the way the Jews pray. Shared that. Yeah. Yes, and then, and then the Catholics, we <laughs> saw the way that we studied the Jew, Jewish liturgy. Yeah. So Catholics said, wow, that's beautiful. So we didn't, we, we didn't chant in Hebrew. We started chanting in Latin because that was the language of the church. But chant is, is, is borrowed from the Jews. This is the way the Jews worshipped God in chant. The article says, A priest seeking liturgical renewal and parish revival will understand that solidifying Catholic identity into his parishioners is essential to that end. And that traditional liturgy is the fastest... And most effective way to do this, as we go through these points, and I'll just t t uh, turn it over to Terry, sure. I would say absolutely, this is what Catholics, this is what makes the parish vibrant, is traditional liturgy. Whether you're doing the Anglican Ordinariate, right. whether you're doing the Novus Ordo properly, mm -hmm. at Orientum, yeah. uh, the prayers chanted, or whether you have the, the Latin Mass in your parish. Absolutely. This is what people want, Terry. They want reverence. Of course they do. And the way you worship is the way you believe. Now, let's go through number one. The celebrate the 1970 Missal in the most traditional way possible, okay? So you follow the rubrics. That's a big word, but in other words, the rules. Most especially facing ad orientum. It's so important. I've had, I just got a priest who does a lot of our funerals, Jesse, who had been a priest for 30, 40 years. He's now doing Ad Orientum because of our chapel. And he said, man, I like doing it this way. <laughs> it's so funny because mm. he's like 70 years old. And, mm. you know, but that's what the church asks us to do. He says, so this article says, consider other things as well. The way you make the gestures of the liturgy, the way you hold your hands after the purification. All this has to be done by sacredness. Use the gestures, this is really important, of the 1962 Missal as your guide whenever it is listed to do so. Bring back the bells. How many parishes just threw the bells out? Well, that's, that's superstition. No! Bring them back, he says, for the consecration. Use incense whenever possible, of course, and consider all male altar servers for the future. Well said. Perhaps grandfathering those girls already in service so they don't feel rejected. That's what my priest friends have done, Jess. They yeah. did it gradually. Right, exactly. In. Number two. Number two, reinstitute communion on the tongue while kneeling. Mm -hmm. The best way to do this is through catechesis so that parishioners do it voluntarily. Reinstalling the altar rail is also highly effective, or at the very least, it bring out the kneelers. Oh, yeah. Number three, Terry? Yeah, you go ahead and hit number three, Jess. You've got to do it quicker than I do. Work I with the music director to bring back both Gregorian chant yep. and simple chants the congregation can easily join into. Look to the music commonly used in the 1962 Missal as your guide. Yep. Use an organ if you can, and perhaps invest in a teacher to offer free organ lessons to a limited number of teenagers every year. In exchange for occasional assistance at Mass, this will keep your parish well supplied with young musicians competent in this skill. 
Well said. Number four. Four. Hit it. Don't be Don't afraid. Be afraid. Ahead, yes. Don't be afraid to challenge people with the homily. Catholics must be challenged to be Catholics and solidify their identity as Catholics, both ritually and morally. Go ahead, Terry. Five. Five. Begin regular Eucharistic adoration periods as works best for your parish. This is incredibly important. The Eucharist is the source and summit of the Christian faith. Number five, six, Jess. Consider adding the St. Michael prayer at the end of low masses. Well yep. said. Number seven, consider adding a simple and easy dress code to your parish bulletin. And remember the limitations of the poor. Dress codes should be based on modesty, not fashion. It doesn't matter if a poor farmer wears overalls and a T-shirt and mask, or a poor woman wearing jeans and a T-shirt. What matters is that everyone is modest in appearance, including a reminder that your parish is friendly towards women, and this is important, who, uh, who optionally wish to cover their heads during prayer. You might be surprised on how many catty women will, will, can be towards each other about such things. So laying down the law on this matter ahead of time might be a good idea. Jesse, let's get to eight, but I'm going to throw one more in. Get rid of the extraordinary ministers of the Eucharist. Absolutely. You know what? We do it at St. Joseph's in Pomona. A lot of, we, we get more time to pray. Number eight, Jess. Consider adding a notice to your parish bulletin that crying children are a sign of, a par- of parish growth. And parents should not feel negatively judged by this. Offer them whatever help they need, but please encourage them to remain in the main chapel and perhaps sit up, sit up front so they can explain the Mass to the young children. So important with young people. They want to be welcomed. I've had it so many times yeah. where they get changed. Okay, number nine. Consider adding a notice to your parish bulletin that communion, this is important with Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi, communion is only to be received by Catholics in the state of grace and that confession times are amply available. That has to be loudly proclaimed. Ten. Consider adding a notice to your parish bulletin that communion on the tongue is the norm in the Catholic Church and that receiving on the hand is merely a dispensation. It's a, that's a fact. That's a true. Parishioners and visitors are strongly encouraged to, re, to receive on the tongue and accommodations will be made for any medical needs. Close quote. Again, <laughs> and also number 10, you like Terry said, take, take away the, the extraordinary ministers of Holy Communion. Mrs. Romero, if every parish did no, that, Mr. Terry... If every parish did that, man, hey. there would be a rebirth, a renaissance in Catholicism like we haven't seen, like we haven't seen in fifty years. Jesse, I was getting my teeth cleaned last week, and the little girl who was cleaning my teeth, I was evangelizing her, and she says to me, "So why did we change from having communion on the tongue and kneeling to communion in the hand?" And here I am with, my, with her hand yeah, down with my mouth throat, open, I know. and then and I'm saying, "Let me tell you, thirty seconds." Take a break. <laughs> and so yeah. the people, the problem is people are wondering about this. I really believe that the renewal of the church will come through the Holy Eucharist, devotion to Our Lady. This is why orthodoxy will... Pro- That's why all the parishes that are growing are, are, doing, are using these principles, Jesse, because the way you worship is the way you believe. Yeah, that's, that's right, Terry. Uh, that's... Uh... And Jess, there's, there's, that's, a, that's, a, that's an old Latin axiom. Yeah, and Jess, there's a link here for YouTube on parishes celebrating Mass properly. You know? Yes. Uh, so this and, is a good and, link. And Shane, Shane Schetzel, this, uh, yeah. the author, like this evangelical this convert, yeah. he says, I truly believe that any Catholic parish that yeah. implements these 10 things that he's written, yeah. even within the Novus Ordo setting, yeah. will experience growth and renewal. Amen. I also believe that the potential for growth under these circumstances 
actually exceeds that of the Vetes Ordo, the 1962 missile. He says, I'm sure a lot of my traditionalist readers will chastise me for even suggesting such a thing, but I truly believe it. Well-written article, uh, this hard article, every Catholic should send this to their pastor, to their deacon, to their DRE, anybody, the whole parish staff. They need to read this article because, once again, I've seen this. Uh, when these things are implemented in a parish, it turns the parish completely upside down in, in, in the proper sense. Amen. I want to also just mention to our listeners yesterday, Jesse, that our slump hit for the summer. Every summer we usually have a slump financially. And if you'd like to see what we're doing when, you know, we're, we're putting out people like Bishop Athanasius Snyder every month. We're putting Bishop Strickland out every week on Catholic Radio. Uh, I don't know if too many people are doing that. Actually, there's none. Uh, but, and we're, they're all welcome to pick up our shows. We're providing uh, content to Catholic stations all over the world, to Internet radio people, to whoever. We don't, we don't say, well, wait a minute, your competition. No! You know what the competition is? Competition is, let's get people to heaven. Let's compete on how are we going to do it. What can we produce to get people to realize that life is short and eternity is forever? We're asking for donations. You notice we don't do it every quarter? You notice we don't even do it, I mean, once or twice a year, we say, hey, folks, could you uh, help us out? We're in short a little bit right now. And uh, you can go that, you can do that by going to vmpr.org. Or I even give people my cell number because I want to personally thank you. I just had a $1,000 donation from a gentleman who said, look, you guys, I wish, he said this, I work for a national TV station, okay? And I wish they would put what you guys put out, but they probably wouldn't be on the air for doing it. Thank you for doing what you do. Well, you know what? That's a price you have to pay for teaching the teachings of the church in a world that acts like God doesn't exist. Go to vmpr.org. Make your donation. It's tax deductible. Or call me at my cell number, 661-972-7872. Jess Romero, we know that we need to make reparation for all these sacrileges that are going on in the world today. We know that our Catholic faith is the answer for all the problems. His name is Jesus Christ. Jess, what state should we be living in to proclaim that loudly? Well, if you want to see Jesus Christ face to face one day and the Blessed Virgin Mary, you must live and die in a state of grace. There's no other way to see them. There's no other way to get to heaven. And if, and, and, and if you're living in a state of mortal sin, get to confession as soon as possible. We want you back in the family of God. We want your soul to be saved. Don't forget, life is short. Eternity is forever. And we want to thank you. Tonight we pray for our priests from 7 to 9 here at the Sacred Heart Chapel. Why do we pray for the Pope and bishops and priests? Because the way, what, the way the church is going to go is where its leaders take them. Let's pray for them and ask them to be faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ, his bride, the church. Thanks again for joining us. May God bless you.